and I came into this camp eyeing on one of the players on the offensive line, and that was true freshman Julian Armella. I think Armella's size-wise, the shape. I mean, Mike Ravel was not lying when he talked about in that press conference. He and Coach Atkins talked about him too, about if you wanted a true freshman showing up as a recruit coming into camp, and you could just like dream about a size, the shape they come in. That's how Julian Armella arrived into Tallahassee. And I thought just first glance, we looked at each other, Dustin, we're like, that's that, that, that dude looks good. That looks like a true college offensive tackle. You can see why Coach um, Coach Atkins and Norvell did a really, really good job there at the end to, to land a really talented um, lineman from down south in Florida. He's, he's impressed, too, on the field, man. I mean, I think one of his best days might have been yesterday. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. The great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, presented to you by NoelGameDay.com. We are here on a fantastic, absolutely, really gorgeous last couple of days here in Tallahassee as Florida State just wrapped up their first week of fall camp. Mike Norvell and the Seminoles, a very, very competitive first week. Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NoelGameDay. Com. We'll discuss it all along with me. We're going to give our thoughts into every single thing imaginable, including going from first day all the way to the first day of pads, which happened on Tuesday morning. Dustin, good evening. This has been a busy, busy last week and a half. We knew it was going to be this way, but it does actually really feel good to be now able to report something and not just talk about some gibberish throughout the offseason, which we have been kind of doing. No, for sure. It's definitely great to get back into it. But then when you do get back into it, you realize how much you're getting back into, um, you know, with the six practices and seven days. So it was nice to to get off a little bit today and just kind of hang out, write a couple articles at home. But we'll be back out there tomorrow and Friday for uh, practice seven and eight leading up to that first scrimmage in Doe Campbell Stadium on Saturday night. And yeah, there have been some encouraging signs over the the first six practices. I think it's important to note. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be a little optimistic tonight with some things, but we're not talking. We're not saying Florida State's going twelve and zero. We're talking about this. I would say, Logan, if you agree, we're talking about a team that's in the six to eight win range right now, and that's how you know we're we're gonna be a little positive, but take it in that direction. Not like we're saying FSU is going twelve and zero. I'm glad you just went ahead and said that in the first two minutes before we just to clarify. I mean, because there's definitely some positive things that we're going to talk about that came out of this first week that is a lot different than the spring. You know, I was really solo dolo. We had Maddox, 
uh, with us in the spring. But on the show, though, I was solo dolo, kind of just giving my thoughts of what I would see. And I didn't really get to have a discussion. You know, I wasn't able to I wasn't able to have more eyes on here than we would have in practices to talk on the show. So it would be nice to be able to discuss with Dustin here. You know, this is now just a, a duo show. Don't worry, Austin isn't gone. He's he's they've got a big time thing that he's doing with his other job. <laughs> Over there in Charlotte, opening up a new uh, shoe store uh, with the kicks. So he just wasn't able to join us, but we'll have Austin on next week for sure. So me and Dustin are going to be able to go through a lot of things. You know, we split up during practices and, and we have different takes on a few things, but it has allowed us to, you know, quarterbacks. We can go watch that. Someone's out there evaluating that. Or if you've got the O-line versus D-line, which they've been doing a lot of, I'm able to go there and then you're over there watching wide receivers versus DBs. So our eyes are everywhere. We're definitely outnumbered if we're talking about uh, other outlets out there by a large, large number. But uh, we're, we're going to try to give you guys some good we analysis. We do what we can. We, we do. We're going to try to give you guys some good analysis from what we've seen. We're going to be real with you. And um, I think that's exactly what uh, the listeners want to hear. And we've definitely appreciated y'all hanging out with us this evening. As always, just in the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube, or any of the other places that you're listening on right now, audio-wise, hit that subscribe button if you're on iTunes and you enjoyed the episode. Feel free to leave a review. It definitely does help to bring in some more FSU fans. A lot of people coming in from Facebook this evening and YouTube. So please share with everybody. Let's jump into it. There's a lot to discuss. We've got fall camp observations. We've got recruiting to jump through because Florida State also had a big recruiting weekend, which Dustin was uh, around 24-7 for. And then also, you know, we're going to go through a little quick Q&A from some of our Discord members with some good questions. So let's jump right into it. First day, d you know, we're arriving. We're coming in. This was a 3.30, 3.45 start late afternoon. Uh, you know, things were hot. You know, and that's something I think we found out really quickly, you know, getting adjusted to that. Some of the newcomers having to adjust. But Overall, what were your thoughts? What was the first thing that kind of stood out to you when you're walking into that practice? And one sticks out to me, but I'm wondering, you're probably going to go the same route. There's a few things, but what's what's your number one that, okay, well, this is fall campus here. Yeah, I'm thinking about day one, maybe off just off the cuff, whenever guys are walking in, seeing how many offensive linemen um, are showing up at Florida State's practice, you know, and then you get into the stretching portion, uh, the early portion where they're going through drills or over on the sled, and you just realize how many bodies that FSU has now at that offensive line, 19 scholarship players um, entering the fall. And I think we've we've talked about it in the past, but, you know, they only had 13 in the spring. You've added six more bodies to that. You've got a true, you know, three deep and then a couple extra out there. So a lot of guys getting reps. Um, it seems like Florida State's confident that, between eight and 10 guys could be rotational players and starters on that offensive line. And I think from the first couple of days, I, I would agree with that. There's definitely more depth there that, than there has been in recent memory. And then behind that, there's some promising young talent that I'm sure we'll get into uh, throughout the episode. Yeah, I agree with you to go into that offensive line room. That, that is a big room. We put out a video that's gone viral on TikTok. It got tons of views on Twitter, and it really shows what Coach Atkins did in that room, d -Lou. I mean, that is a lot of bodies. And, you know, while we keep on going through these observations, it really helps whenever you're going through series work. I think that's something 
we saw pretty quickly whenever you're going through that you're able to shuffle a good amount of bodies around and you know as long as guys are staying healthy you can keep with that main core in there starting five but you are seeing Atkins play around a little bit with that offensive line and there's a lot of battles going on because you're also competing against one of the top defensive lines and the ACC going into this upcoming season with Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, and you've got uh, some really good depth behind those two starters. Um, you know, I, I think the first thing that I wanted to see were a few of the guys working on their body. You know, we heard about Robert Scott and what he did, and I was wondering if he could still move with that. And, you know, the, with that weight that he gained, Still looks like he's moving pretty well. I think they'll trim up a little bit for him. Um, you know, that's something that I think Coach Storms and them will continue to do. And that overall, no matter what, a fall camp, you're going to lose weight. You're going to trim up the fat a little bit. It's a lot of work. But, you know, I wanted to see Robert Scott. I also wanted to see A.J. Duffy. You know, I thought he came into the camp a little had some extra weight on him. I wanted to see him trim off a little bit. And you could see that he is definitely moving a little bit more fluid in the pocket than he did in the spring. And that's really, really nice sign there from uh, a true freshman where Mike Norvell told us yesterday he thinks that this is a quarterback, one of the ones that is just far away is ahead than he's ever had coaching on the college um, realm. You know, this is a talented quarterback on the physical side of things, but also maybe more mentally. And that's something Coach Tokar has also told us. But we'll talk a lot about A.J. Duffy here in just a little bit. So really just looking at the size of a couple of these guys and then Another one I'll mention, too, uh, I wanted to see how uh, uh, Joshua Farmer came in because I thought during the spring he had really good size, but he just he, he wasn't working with it well. And I knew that was going to take a little bit to adjust to what they did with him over the last month and a half, two months of uh, what Coach Storms and maybe getting him definitely he did a really good job in the conditioning department he looks good mm -hmm. he he's you he he's always going to have that strength but he just looks more fluid man and he's he's had some flashes we'll talk about him here in a few yeah i agree i agree with that one and then i would also maybe say uh marie smith as well mm -hmm. because he's definitely added some bulk i mean he's still when you look at that offensive line group now he's still maybe on the smaller side but that added bulk 17 pounds that's going to help him it is it is and we're definitely going to talk about that offensive line hole in a few so that, that's the first day Dave Florida State also has it's worth noting because Dustin wants to go into one every five minutes but they have an actual freight sized <laughs> what do you call that like a bin not a bin even that's a straight like, up cargo ship container yeah shipping yeah, yeah. container or yeah picture got, some picture what's on the back of a semi yeah maybe even bigger than that yeah, no. So they've got these massive containers that you'd put on the back of a ship. But inside, you know, talking to Coach Storms, he said it's 17 degrees in there. So the biggest thing, you know, they'll have a couple breaks throughout the practices because um, Mike Norvell doesn't like having a whole ton of breaks. You know, if you've gone to a few of the practices or have heard about them, you, you know by now Coach, uh, Coach Norvell likes to run things fluidly and there's not a lot of breaks and, and stopping, not a lot of knees on the ground. It's go time for about two and a half hours. Anyways, 17 degrees in these bins. It allows for a lot of the players to go in there, both offensively and defensively. They've got chairs. They've got benches in there to sit in to kind of cool themselves out before going back out there onto the field. And Coach Storm says that he's really liked it because it's allowed some of the guys to really, I don't know, decompress, I guess, kind of relax the muscles a little bit more. And honestly, overall, I just think it's just safer for these guys because it's it's a good 95 degrees. And then you add on pads, helmets. It definitely, if anybody's played football in the chat here, you kind of know 
that is uh, summer here in, in Tallahassee. It is it is hot, hot, and uh, it can be brutal at times. So you're seeing a lot of the guys take advantage of those bends. Dustin's trying to get in there. <laughs> Hasn't worked so far, has it, D-Lude? Coach Storms has not let you in. Not quite, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure something out, maybe write a story on it or something so I can get in there for a couple minutes and just check it out because, man, I'm, I'm not putting in nearly as much effort as these players are at practice, but I promise I'm <laughs> – I'm sweating too. And I was, I do keep my eyes on it. I noticed uh, a linebacker go in there the other day, just, you know, to, to cool off. And I was timing on my watch. I'm like, man, is he, is he going to come out? Is he good? I was, I was thinking about having to yell at coach storms to myself to get that door open, make sure we're not losing anybody, but he, he's all good. Let's I'll clarify that. Glad you'll do that for us. I I sometimes want to break through that thing and get in there too. It is hot. So uh, luckily, you know, Florida State is playing it smart. They'll do a little bit of time outside and then they'll go inside to finish off practice where you're in the IPF and you've got you've got AC. It's still hot, but you got the AC in there, which helps a little bit. But let's jump into some guys impressing. We'll go overall team impress, and then we'll go specifically into some true freshmen, which we put out a piece today. Dustin did a great job outlining a few players that have caught our eye. Let's just top broad, broad players here. And I'll, I'll start off first. And I came into this camp eyeing on one of the players on the offensive line, and that was true freshman Julian Armella. I think Armella's size-wise, the shape. I mean, Mike Ravel was not lying when he talked about in that press conference. He, and Coach Atkins talked about him, too, about if you wanted a true freshman showing up as a recruit coming into camp and you could just like dream about a size, the shape they come in, that's how Julian Armella arrived into Tallahassee. And I thought just first glance, we looked at each other, Dustin, we're like, that's, that, that, that dude looks good. That looks like a true college offensive tackle. You can see why Coach um, Coach Atkins and Norvell did a really, really good job there at the end to, to land a really talented um, lineman from down south in Florida. He's he's impressed, too, on the field, man. I mean, I think one of his best days might have been yesterday, but all throughout a lot of the team drills, which is going 11-on-11 11 11 with one another, he's looked really good holding down his side. Not everything he's going to win as a true freshman, but I wanted to see his demeanor that he brought, and he's came in, listened, He's over there helping out some of the true freshmen, too. They're holding each other accountable, which we'll talk about. There's a lot of guys holding each other accountable. There's a question in here that we'll cover later on. But this team as a whole, from freshmen, you've got veterans, too, coaches. Everybody's holding each other accountable. That's something that Magnervell preached on since first arriving. That's something Florida State had to change. And Julian Armella is a guy that listens very, very well to Coach Atkins and the guys above him. and. I just, I'm really excited for him. I don't think he's a year one guy to come in and make an impact. No, but just to see him make these gross steps and just first week, man, imagine two weeks from now, three weeks from now, and then you get to the season. Maybe he gets a little PT here and there. God forbid if something bad happens, he gets in there. Either way, I would like to see him get into Duquesne. I'd like to get, see him get a little bit of college experience because right now we're seeing really good signs from a guy that is highly expected to make an impact here throughout his career at Florida State. Yeah, definitely a good start for for him. Like you said, he came in looking very well physically, and there's enough room on his frame to probably add another 15, 20 pounds of good weight and FSU strength and conditioning program before it's all said and done. And he's a long he's he's got a long frame. He's got long arms. Like you said, ideal size for an offensive tackle, and he's just working out there. Um, 
you know, he's he's still growing. He's a true freshman, just getting introduced um, to this level, and he's going up some against some very talented defensive linemen in practice. And you know, there was one instance where he got put on his back, and then he got a nice nice move put on him. You know, and it was kind of like a welcome to to college football. And I think he came back the next practice or two and put one of the best defensive ends on the roster on their back. And so he's had his ups and downs, but the potential is there. And like you said, Logan, in my opinion, at least it it would be a disaster if um, one of the six true freshman linemen doesn't redshirt this year with how much depth uh, and experience you have in front of those guys. I think it's, it would be huge to let them grow, but over the next couple of years, Julian Armella, um, Kaniah Charlton, some of those guys that came in, they're they're going to be very productive for Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like what we saw from Armella. He had a really good day yesterday. He had a one-on-one rep there with, with Jared Verse. And you got to say, you know, Armella got the best of him there. And we know Jared Verse uh, doesn't play. That's a really nicely sized defensive end there for Florida State. I think there, I think another one that I got to mention here, and it's a mix of a surprise slash impressed, is Deuce Span. We, I, I mentioned him a few times here on the show during the spring and going into our wide receiver position preview that we did just before fall camp. We didn't talk a whole lot of Deuce Span, you know, projecting him to be an impact this upcoming season. I now mm-hmm. am starting to reverse course on Deuce Span. I'm now expecting Florida State, if things keep on going, he keeps, grow- he keeps growing and understanding the playbook, keeps connecting, building chemistry with his quarterbacks, and then uh, keeps on making these plays. I think he is going to play uh, play in this offense for Mike Norvell and, and Florida State and what they want to do because he's a legitimate threat downfield and being a really good catcher whenever that ball's there. He'll, he'll put on the Jets and he'll bring it in. Definitely if the quarterback's putting it at the right spot, which you know, you're seeing Jordan Travis get better there. We'll talk about quarterbacks in a few, but Deuce Span has been a nice surprise. Dustin, what are your thoughts on number five here? Yeah, I mean, Deuce Span, he has the athletic traits and you look at his six foot four frame. And the thing is, he's not a natural wide receiver. This is a guy that played quarterback in high school. He was recruited to Illinois to play quarterback. And he's only been playing receiver for about a year now. Um, And I think he looked a little bit raw maybe during spring practice. But he's definitely taken a lot of steps forward over the last couple months where, you know, he's not the most natural route runner at this point. But he's taken steps forward in those areas. And I would say the same things with his hands. Uh, He's definitely, like you said, Logan, he's definitely gotten open. There's been he's been wide open deep and he doesn't drop the ball a lot, but there's times where it comes into his hands and, you know, he bobbles it a little bit before he brings it in. Norvell's been on him about that, but he's been improving every day. He's made some big plays out there already in fall camp and his his play, his playmaking potential might just be too tantalizing to to keep off the field. But it's important to remember, you know, like I said, he's new to this position and his best football is ahead of him. And once he gets it all figured out as a wide receiver, getting the timing down, building chemistry with these quarterbacks, becoming that elite route runner, I mean, he's going to be a heck of a player for Florida State, not just this year, but this is a guy who has three years of eligibility left in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that Florida State would love to have after a passing attack. Didn't really have an attack last year. In my opinion, a lot of things could have been better. I think chemistry – you were hoping a lot from some other guys. And I think you also were understanding where guys need to be just like Ja'Kai Douglas. They needed to use him more in different spots. And they kind of find that now. He's a great X guy and he can go be a deep threat. If you can add that with Deuce Span, 
that's a nice that's a nice kind of tandem there um, when you also add in Malik McLean, which he can do the same. So uh, having McLean McLean has been excellent. Yeah, Brent, go ahead. I mean, Malik McLean has been Florida State's top wide receiver just a consistent basis. I talked about this in the spring. I said Jordan Travis's favorite target is Malik McLean. That hasn't changed one bit. Number 11 has impressed really early, Dealey. What have you seen from him? I mean, he's he's getting separation. When he's not getting separation, he's making tough catches. You're not seeing a lot of balls hit the ground from him. And, I mean, whether it's Jordan Travis or even – Tate, I'm not sure if Duffy has, but they've connected uh, with McLean on some big plays throughout the practices. Uh, I, I would say from from practice one to practice six, he's probably been the most consistent out of that entire unit. So I think it's important to bring up because he's, you know, we saw those signs during his true freshman season. Um, the potential is there for him to be a, a star college wide receiver. And he's putting some of that together in camp. If he carries it into the season, watch out. Yeah. Uh, and then real quick, uh, I know there's some questions here in the chat just to give some updates. And we're going off of just a few names. We won't run through every because we'll be on here till 1030 if we do, if we get through every name. <laughs> but we're going off of the names that have impressed us early. So we're just going to name these. But I know there's some questions about Micah Pittman. Micah Pittman, I think, is kind of going through the timeline of what he had in the spring. Slower start, whereas on the other side, you see Johnny Wilson. You could, you, I think you just see the, the impressive physical attributes. But Johnny Wilson starts off a little bit faster than Micah does. And I think Micah, he holds himself. If someone on the field holds himself accountable, let me go and tell you right now, it's Micah Pittman. I mean, that guy, he does. I mean, he, he probably got his helmet replaced already. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he does get he gets ticked at himself. And, he and you know, it's good to see. I saw one play where things didn't go the way that Micah Pittman wanted to go. You know, they had a ball going to him. Uh, you know, there was a drop there. Jordan Travis goes over to Micah Pittman on the sideline and, you know, had uh, Micah had his head down and such. And, you know, it's Jordan Travis goes straight over to him and, you know, you got to put your, you got to put your head up, man. And they put the helmet back on and they go back out there and run a series. And Micah Pittman after that has been into a little groove here, but I'd say Johnny Wilson right now is a little bit ahead. And the biggest thing though, he can be a practice uh, star, but can he go into a game and catch passes? That was something that I was just disappointed in the spring game with Johnny Wilson, but Johnny Wilson, once again, you can see, He's a quarterback's favorite just because of the radius that he has with his arms, man. And he's really good on one-on-ones, uh, shorter intermediate throws. Um, you know, you're starting to kind of figure out how Florida State wants to use him after what they saw in the spring, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of think it's the same thing for both of them. You know, just just catch the football. Um, they're getting themselves in good position. Uh, when you look at Pittman, he's probably the best route runner right now in that entire wide receiving core. He gets open a lot, very shifty guy, but there has been some drops. And, and I mean, same thing with Johnny. We talked about in the spring, everyone saw it in the spring game. That's still there. So those, those guys need to continue improving in that aspect. But if they, if they ever get that down, they're going to be huge weapons for Florida state's offense. And then when you look over to Pittman, I think he's going to be excellent for FSU as a punt returner. Um, you know, they're not live in practice, but just watching him compared to, Maybe some of the other guys like Keyshawn Helton, Ontario Wilson. Um, they've got Mike Russo's, the Columbia grad transfer out there with the punt unit, punt return unit. I can't there, – there's a couple others as well, but I can't remember them all. He just looks like the most natural um, when it comes to it. There's no false steps. There's no hesitation. It's catch the ball, go. And, and I was showing it to you, Logan, the other day. I mean, 
compared to everyone else, he just explodes as soon as as soon as that ball is in his hands. Whereas other guys are they're a little bit slower. I don't I don't know how else to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could see you know that's why Florida State really wanted to have that help there on the special teams unit with Mike. He just looks the smoothest, like Dustin said. Um, Hasn't dropped a punt yet either. Can't no. say that for everybody. No, no. We'll name names. <laughs> no, yeah, start naming names out here. Uh, there's a, definitely a lot of questions about the quarterback. I, I do want to say, too, it's we can't really blow over to this position group without mentioning Pokey Wilson. I think that he's been a really nice, consistent wide receiver for Florida State so far in fall camp. Mike Novell really definitely. excited about him. Yeah, Mike, Mike was really excited about him in the press conference, put on 10 pounds. You could definitely see a little bit of size, but it's not too crazy of a difference. I mean, it's just nice to have for him to pack on a little bit, but also keep that speed. That was something I was keeping an eye on. Can, can he still keep that, you know, that, that quickiness that he has? Yeah, I, th- I think when we're talking about these guys that have flashed and stuff, sometimes you take some of the veterans and the guys that have already been here for granted a little bit, you know. So yeah. we're getting caught up on Julian Armella and Deuce Van because they're kind of newcomers. But, yeah, on Terry Wilson, everyone knows he's been Florida State's leading receiver over the past few years probably the most consistent performer in that room. And same thing in fall camp. You're, you're seeing a six-year senior who's played a lot of football at Florida State, played a lot of football in college, and he knows how to come into a fall camp and perform. He's just got – he's going to play a role in that receiving room, and he's just got to continue to do what he does, which is he's a calm and steady presence for Florida State. Not a lot of drops. Um, him and Leek McClain, I would say, are probably one and two right now. And – you think back to yesterday, Logan, and Tuesday's practice, maybe the standout for me in team drills <clears throat> at least was Darren Williamson. And mm-hmm. this was his first practice, full contact. Mike Norvell said afterwards that he had had a small accident prior to uh, fall camp. But then he comes in yesterday, he catches a, a bullet over the middle from Tate Rodemaker on a third down with, with tight coverage, a DB draped all over him to get a first down. And he comes back later to go up high and, and catch a ball from A.J. Duffy. So – after not really seeing him in the mix much the first couple of days, him finally being out there, he definitely flashed. Yep, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, Darian Williamson being a little limited to start off camp and really explodes there uh, on the first day of full pads. Great throw. We'll talk quarterbacks now. Let's jump into it because I was really worried about this after the spring, and I was pretty clear about it in the last episode how really worried I was. Now we get a full week. And I will say after probably the, you know, third practice, maybe the fourth too, I, I was like looking at you. I was looking at some of the, some of the other beat members out there. And I was telling y'all, and we had a great discussion that, man, if Jordan Travis goes down, I'm, I'm quite worried because I just felt like there's not a lot of experience there behind Jay Trap. There isn't, there is not. Um, you're really relying on a guy that kind of will be pushed into a few games here and there. And then you've got AJ Duffy, a true freshman. So you don't have a lot of college experience behind Jordan Travis. That was my first four, four days. The last two practices though, you're starting to find a little bit of a groove and it started with AJ Duffy, in my opinion, coming in, um, you know, later, uh, this last weekend really starting to not hesitate as much. He's starting to build some confidence, which, Florida State has wanted him to do, I think, after what they saw in the spring and this slower start in, in fall camp. The biggest thing to me, start start taking these chances, man, because it's working and it's working down the field. I thought 
the practice before Tuesdays. I think that was his best day. But then yet again, you're starting to see the little strides of him reading the defense and connecting some of them being some some deep throws. I thought one of the throws that he, he made, and I believe this was the throw to Marcus and Douglas, right? Lou, that was over there in your corner. Um, had a, had a linebacker and, and pretty good coverage on him and dropped it right there. Uh, and the bread basket for Marcus and Douglas and shout out to Marcus and Douglas. Okay. You got, you got some hands, man, but anyways, Oh, that was Tate. Yeah. Well, shout out to Tate for a great ball there, but AJ <laughs> Duffy still led, led the team down the field. All three, I think all three quarterbacks led down the field, maybe not touchdowns, but would have led to uh, three points. I know Tate's obviously was a touchdown. Um, but you got to see. I don't, your I don't know. If, I don't know if JT scored. Yeah, I don't. I don't think but they did. Du- but Duffy and Rodemaker, they, they got in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Treshawn Ward gave it in. Got it in there for AJ Duffy, I believe, if I'm correct. Anyways, yeah, I think that's what it was because I remember them coming right at me. And then I love Mike Norvell because it's very hard to score. Mike will make it so then you probably have to do another down, but. It's not going to make it easy for you, which is pretty funny, which I like it, but make it try to be as real as it gets. But yeah, they were able to lead. All quarterbacks were able to lead down the field, um, but Duffy just looks more comfortable and he's taking more chances and he's not so hesitant. I'm seeing a little bit more of a confidence here from AJ Duffy. I want to see this going into the second week. Now him continue to do that. Take those chances they don't need to be everything. You don't need to be throwing like crazy. He is definitely more of a of a collected quarterback. He's not going to really risk it that much and risk those interceptions. He'll throw away or he'll just tuck it and run. But when he does throw, he's hitting he's hitting most of his targets. Yeah, I agree with you. I, like you said um, earlier, he looked a little hesitant early in fall camp. It seemed like he was still getting that confidence to just you know not think about it and let it rip downfield and make plays and he struggled with that i would say first three three or so practices but the last two two and a half he's been a lot better um when it comes to keeping his eyes downfield and not just scrambling out of the pocket i think back to i think maybe it was monday but there was a play he was under pressure um he pump faked to the running back and then normally that was one of the situations where he would scramble and said he rolled out and made a throw downfield to to the running back and, and scored a touchdown. So he's been making those incremental steps, um, and, and but it's been a little bit up and down. I would say same thing with Tate Rodemaker. He came out yesterday, and, man, he, he had a terrific um, drive and practice, I think. hit a, That was one of the plays where he hit Darian Williamson, and then a couple of plays later, like you said, he hit Marquison for that touchdown in the end zone. It was a, a terrific stretch. But then he comes back the next drive and nearly throws an interception while going back across his body. So you see some signs of brilliance, but you also see those moments where these guys, they don't have a ton of experience. Um, you know, Tate's been here for a couple of years, but he doesn't have a lot of game experience. I think, at least for Tate, you know, you see those signs in practice, but at some point you want to see it translate to a game. We'll, we'll see when he gets in this season and and whatever duty that, that he does get if if that progress is there. And just for Duffy, you want to see it continue over the next 14 practices. The signs are very positive. Um, Mike Norvell's comments, I think he's trying to continue to give that young guy some confidence. And he he could be a good one for Florida State. The potential is there. They just have to keep building on it every day. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have anything more really mention wise uh, of players on offense? I know you got the running back room, the tight end room. Um, I, if you're looking at tight end too, I know there was a question earlier about Cam McDonald. As I don't think we mentioned it tonight, but Mike Norvell did tell the media, so we get to tell you guys that you know he's been limited to start off camp. We'll see uh, the timetable there if Mike Norvell or any of the coaches uh, give us an update there on him. But he's been limited to start off, so a lot of it, I, I, I it's, it's bittersweet. Of course, I want Cam out there. Absolutely, he's a great leader. He's obviously tight end one. But this has allowed for some of the tight ends to kind of emerge here and get some chances with the ones, which I think is something – I take things on the optimistic side. You're now allowing Jackson West to get in there, Courtney. you got Marcus and Douglas also thrown into the mix. And then you got Darrell Powers, who, man, seeing him in person, that is uh, – got to like what you see out of him. He's showing up to campus in great shape, a good size. It's allowed for Jackson West to really do some things. And Marcus and Douglas, I think, out of the two tight ends behind Cam McDonald, I'd say probably those two have been the you know most impress- impressive. I mean, Jackson West has brought in some really nice balls, too. Drop a there's, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's still, but I was about to say, there's still a lot of work, a lot of work to be done. Um, but you, you can see some of the staff, they're giving some love to Marcus and Douglas for his blocking. And that's something where I was questioning with losing. Jordan Wilson, as you know, UCLA transfer from last year, only one year available. He's gone. Who's going to jump in and kind of be more of that blocking type tight end, which Florida State can utilize. And then also, I mean, we saw it. I don't want to give away the playbook, but, you know, Markson over there, they utilized him and, and brought in a touchdown from Rodemaker. Any any other offensive side of the ball worth mentioning here to you? I would mention Brian Courtney with that tight end group because um, – like uh who was i talking about earlier like we were talking about deuce earlier you know deuce is a converted quarterback now he's a a wide receiver um when you look at courtney he played quarterback and now he's playing tight end at florida state so he's still transitioning to the position um it does help that he's been here since the spring he's got he's got tantalizing athletic potential a a guy that norvell has thrown some praise on and we saw him yesterday connecting with with jt on a pass to get florida state into the red zone. He's not going to play a big role this year, but in the future, as he figures it out, there's definitely uh, something there to like. And maybe on the offensive line, I would go with uh, Maurice Smith. I thought he's been, he's been very good for Florida state at center. Um, Not too many bad snaps, definitely some here and there, but definitely not too many. And he's holding his own up there in the middle against um, Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett. And you go over to one-on-one drills. He's had a couple really nice battles uh, with Robert Cooper where he was able to prevent him from getting to the quarterback. So really that added bulk, that 17 pounds from 271 to 288, if I'm correct, has helped him early in fall camp and excited to see those signs. Mm -hmm. Yep. And just to gloss over the running back room. Oh yeah. 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 Just not to really go like run through it, but I mean, you got to like what we've seen from, Trishawn Ward, a uh, really fiery guy, man. He, he He's definitely got a chip on his shoulder because I, I think he knows that Benson is there to take some snaps, but I think that the the tandem that they have, they have a really good relationship, guys. I mean, if, if Benson goes down there and scores, had a really good run. You know, Trishawn Ward is the first one running down there, jumping on him, celebrating. That's just kind of how this team is as a whole right now. You're seeing that, the chemistry, the leadership. A lot of guys really, like, 
Norvell said in the press conference before fall camp, they, these guys are a family now. They really do love each other. So, you know, the running back room, there's a lot of talent in different ways. It's like a Swiss Army knife right now. There's a lot of different things you can do with Baby Nine, with Toa Philly. You can do what Trey Sean Ward does and just put people on skates off to the side. And then Trey Benson is really good, I think, at just short yardage finding holds. He's good at finding those short yardage plays where you think it is, and he can break one open. He's that kind of player. And a lot of the linebackers, we're hearing DJ Lundy, Kalen Deloach talk about Trey Benson and say, man, at some point, you just got to pick an angle and go with it. If not, man, you're at risk of missing a tackle, getting your legs taken out from under you. Like, there's just some certain things that Trey Benson can do, but he's definitely a short yardage guy where he, out of nowhere, things explode and he can take it to east to west or really his favorite, you know, going up north and south, man. He, he can do it pretty, pretty well. Yeah, really, all four scholarship running backs and CJ Campbell, they've all had their flashes. So far during fall camp, um, Trey Benson's the most explosive player out of that unit. I think Treshawn Ward is more of that steady presence. Um, and like you said, they're going to be a nice one-two punch throughout the season with Toa Philly and Rodney Hill. I think Rodney Hill will get involved um, in the attack as well. And just looking at it so far through practice, most of these guys, all of them, I think, they, they can kind of do it all. They can uh, run the ball. They can also contribute – in the passing game, and we'll see Florida State, I think, try to utilize that some in 2022 just to get the ball into their hands as much as possible because there's some there's some real talent back there in that backfield. It might be the strongest position group on this offense as a whole from top to bottom. I mean, there's, there's just so much depth there, and I think you're comfortable with any of those five names stepping back there to carry the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Carol here from Facebook is asking on, on Winston Wright. There's things that we can and can't say, but we can share video and him coming in to practice. And you can see, you know, you guys can evaluate on your own, really. But uh, he is very active. You know, he'll come. He's with the position group. He'll come walk around and see some of the practice going on. But, you know, other than that, we can't, you know, comment on on his status. You know, we'll ask Mike Norvell, you know, once or twice a week. Some of the media members will ask an update there. But, um, you just got to like that he's there in attendance and, and dressed out for these practices. That's, a, I think, an, a good sign there. So whenever we get the next update, we promise we'll, we'll be on here to update y'all on Winston Wright. Um, I just got to say, too, Winston Wright, like I said, whenever you've got team drills going on, uh, he's very, very close to the action. He's You can tell that he's kind of already built that team shit or that really good bond with that wide receiver room. Um, Cause I think Keyshawn Helen's that biggest leader there. You know, he's always going to every wide receiver, but it's good to see Winston there seeing the plays happen and trying to still uh, understand the playbook. I mean, this is a new guy, so it's good to see him at least around the practices and dressed out. He's doing, yeah. Like you said, he's doing what he can. Um, it's good. It's good enough to have him out there getting mental reps at this point. And we'll continue to see how that recovery progresses i think mike norvell talked about it briefly last week and said that florida state's still pretty positive uh with where he's at we don't have an exact timeline on a on a potential return so as you said we'll continue to monitor that throughout camp we'll continue to see what coach says and we'll see what happens it's a good question here from jen and you know we talked about the offseason when alex atkins getting promoted now to the co-offensive coordinator uh, you know, Dan Lanning is over here grabbing Kenny Dillingham over there at Oregon. So now things open up to where now this is Mike Norvell's offense. And I think, Dustin, we got a clear, good picture of what it's going to kind of look like with how Mike Norvell being so, so I, I think 
Kenny, Kenny Dillingham and some of the game prep and practices and play calling, those guys were working off of one another. Now this is solely on Mike Norvell's hands, on his shoulders here. And we got to see him and a couple of the series work and, and team drills and what that's going to look like. It's very fast. And like I said, the offense found its way down the field. Um, and I, we talked about Tate Rodemaker's drive, which was the, the prettiest out of them all on Tuesday morning. That offense looked good. And one of the biggest things was the running back room. I mean, you found Trey Benson breaking through. Treshawn Ward practically broke one open for a touchdown, but Mike Norvell was not going to let him have that touchdown, even though the DB just kind of scraped him. Uh, would have been for six, but it was a mix of the running backs. And then you saw saw the throws from the quarterbacks, and, and that was all Mike Norvell calling it, and it was very fast-paced. But nothing much I don't think is going to change. I think the running game has a chance to get better just because Atkins is there in the trenches front line. But nothing – this is Mike Norvell's offense. This won't be an Alex Atkins slash Mike Norvell offense, nor this will be a, a Dillingham Norvell offense. This is strictly now uh, all Mike Norvell. Yeah, I think it's been pretty fluid uh, throughout the first couple of practices. And, I mean, the defense has had their fair share of, of big plays and – and moments as well. It's a ba- it's a back and forth battle at this point. Sometimes defense has a better practice. Sometimes the offense has a better practice. That's just and that's how you want it. You don't want yeah. one unit to be completely dominating the other. It's nice to have this balance. Maybe tipping in the defense's favor right now a little bit, but a mostly balanced competition. And, and I mean, as for the play calling, like I said, I, I think everything has looked a little bit more fluid out there. Maybe there was a little bit of push and pull between Norvell and Kenny Dillingham last year. Maybe not. I mean, who knows? But it does seem, you know, Atkins stepping into that role as offensive coordinator at Florida State, Norvell is going to be grooming him to uh, be a play caller of the future. I don't think he's going to be doing much of it in game scenarios for Florida State this year, but he's going to get a chance to watch, to learn from Norvell, to put his input into the offense now that he's been elevated to that higher role. And in the future, I mean, if he stays at Florida State, he's definitely going to have a a bigger role in that play calling. Yep. Uh, There's been a lot of questions in the comments. I promise you that we're not ignoring the defensive side because there's a lot of guys to be excited for. Who do you think? We talked about the wide receivers, and we talked about Malik McLean. We talked about Johnny Wilson. We talked about Pokey. You know, these guys that are uh, finding some catches down the field. Who's kind of given them the biggest fits, in your opinion, since the start of of camp? Who was who's getting? There? I asked Malik McLean, and it was funny. Oh, I asked him straight up, "Who's giving you the hardest time there and uh, coverage?" He didn't name anybody. He was kind of <laughs> like, ah, I don't. I'm not going to name anyone. I'm, I'm doing pretty good right now, which he is. But there's definitely some fits going on with some of the defensive backs. Mine right now, D. Lewin. I know you're really high on him. Ronaldo Green seems to be finding a groove that he had in the latter half mm-hmm. of the spring when he was fully healthy. Ronaldo Green, I got to say, I he's impressed me. Yeah, he, he's been a dog uh, the last couple of practices. And, I mean, I'm, I'm Aaron Cooper, Kevin Knowles have been pretty excellent for Florida State as well. Like I said earlier, some of these guys returning and the veterans, you get out there and watch practice, you kind of take what they do for granted a little bit because you expect them to do it. And I think that's what we see from those guys. But you look over at the true freshman, A.T., and at least the last couple of practices, he's been excellent for Florida State. Sunday and Monday forced four total turnovers, three interceptions, and a forced fumble. Uh, he's he's a ball hawk. He, it seems 
only a true freshman. Like I said about a couple guys earlier, it helps that he was able to to go through that spring period before the state and kind of get acclimated. So now he's hitting the ground running in fall camp, and he's been very impressive, long and rangy, um, exactly what Florida State likes in that defensive backfield. He's been excellent in, in coverage. Like I said, always around the ball. It seems like he's been in the right positions in that defense. And, you know, maybe he wasn't a guy we thought was going to play a, a major role on the defense heading into 2022. I think that's slowly starting to shift as fall camp goes on. And if he can continue to string together these consistent performances, this is going to be another true freshman like we saw Cooper and Knowles last year who asserts himself into that lineup and starts to play a big role in the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been really impressed. I know we've got a thing on the docket here to talk about some freshmen that have impressed us, but one of those is, is going to be Azure Thomas. Just you could see it's crazy to see a D Lou. Definitely when we got to interview him, the size and the length, man, it just feels so close to what you know Ramsey looked like whenever he was coming in as a true freshman. It's kind of scary if you're looking at it body size wise. And you can see his wingspan, his length that like that, it helps him in coverage. And he comes away with the PB, he come he grabs the PBUs and the interceptions, and he's able to take them back. And there's there's a lot of fire and there's a lot of humbleness too in him. He still is here to learn, and that's something that I believe one of uh, the veterans, you know, talked about, you know. Azrae Thomas is coming in to just to learn, develop, get, get better, and he's getting more opportunities, and it's only making him uh, become a better player and uh, definitely a better team player. Uh, I want, yeah, don't you think with Azrae? Yeah, I was just, I was just gonna say he's approached everything the right way, and like you said, he's not letting some of these performances go to his head. He knows, and he said it himself the other day. He's got to come back. He, it doesn't matter how many interceptions I got today. It matters that I come back the next day and continue to get better. So we talked about it a lot in the spring and in the DB preview about the the competitiveness, the intensity that Sam McCall and Thomas brought to this defensive backfield whenever they got here in the spring. And, I mean, man, you're just seeing it continue to blossom in the fall. Um, very excited to see where it goes from here because Florida State, they've had some young DBs step up the past couple of years, and this guy seems like he's in line to be that next one. Let's go back a little bit here to the safety room. And a lot of guys get some opportunities. I'm, I I think Cheyenne Brown's going to get a lot of PT this upcoming season. I, after watching this spring and I came on here and told y'all a lot about him. He's really, I mean, his size, uh, I think he might be one of the biggest safeties at Florida State. I mean, I'm Sydney there too, but size-wise, Shaim is really impressive, guys. And then he's putting himself in really good positions to make plays on the ball. And he, he's he's coming away with some of them too. But he's just putting himself right where he needs to be. And, you know, Mike Norvell, Coach Woodson, really excited about how he started off this fall camp, coming off of a really nice performance during the spring. Cheyenne Brown's going to play some football for Florida State this upcoming season, and I'm really excited for it. I think Florida State fans should be stoked to have that behind Akeem Dent. Um, And then you've got, of course, Jamie Robinson there, too. You've got Sidney Williams back healthy. But to have Cheyenne Brown there to be, I think think he's he's your third guy in that room, too. If guy needs some time out, you know, throw Cheyenne in there. He just, I think he knows the playbook well. I don't know. he, He just puts himself in really good positions. Yeah, he's solid um, in coverage, and then he's also physical enough to be able to come up and stop the run. 
Um, watching him work downfield against the receivers has been impressive. But then whenever you see him come up and make a tackle for loss and they're not they're not taking these running backs to the ground all the time, but he's in position to where he's he's getting tackles for loss if if it was a game scenario. And we saw it last fall too. He he was one of the guys that came in and stood out and then he wasn't able to do much during his true freshman season. But I think having another year in the program, another year in that defensive system, it's just allowed his confidence to grow. And he was a natural playmaker last year. This year, when you look at it, he knows the system. He's not thinking about things as much. He's just going out there and getting it done. So like you said, he's been very impressive in that safety room. I thought Sidney Williams has had some flashes as well. Um, McLeleon continues to just be solid for FSU. And those guys are getting a little bit of more, more opportunities right now. Cause as coach Woodson said the other day, keep Dent, Jamie Robinson have missed the last few sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worth noting there going down outside of this defensive back room to linebacker. Uh, you know, Tatum Bethune had a really nice day. I thought on Tuesday, maybe one of his best, he had a couple tackles for loss. I think he had a sack too. When they were going through series work, Bethune, um, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to be a splash uh, practice guy. I think this is all going to come down to game time just because of the experience that he has and he knows where to be. But Tatum had a really nice practice on Tuesday. Who, who do you kind of stands out per se? Because I know there was some question marks here too because that's one thing that I think Florida State going in this week too, I want to see them get better at. It's probably a little bit of coverage and watching the boundaries because a lot of the running backs were able to get on the outside to them quite a bit. Other than you know, other than that, who's, is any anybody standing out to you right now in the first week of fall camp? Um, just on Bethune, I think he was an excellent addition for Florida State <clears throat> through the through the transfer portal. Um, a guy that got triple digit tackles last year at UCF. He he talked about having groin sword surgery over the summer, and now he's back fully healthy from that. And I think you can see it. With his mobility, he's looking good out there for Florida State. He's in very good shape. And I think he's going to compete for <clears throat> the leading leading tackler on FSU's roster this upcoming year alongside Jamie Robinson. Very experienced player. Not the biggest linebacker, but he's physical enough. He's, he's thick enough to go out there, be a thumper for Florida State. And he's also solid enough in coverage. And I think him and Deloach is a nice little – combination and then but behind them dj lundy i mean man that guy is in tremendous shape he's trimmed up a little bit he looks much better in coverage and he's another guy like i said another year in the program another year in the system he just looks more confident with how he's moving there's a question here from john do you think rand with randy shannon now be at the helm for the linebacker position group will it help it and i think it's hard to evaluate this until we get the game um Really, I don't see too much of a crazy difference with how Marv was with Randy. You know, that's something that that's more of a game type question. But you got to hope, though, with his experience of how many years he has, you would hope that would help this room. And I think this is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. This is going to be one where it's going to be the weakest, weakest link, in my opinion, um, because we're about to get to trenches and we'll talk defensive ends which i thought was going to be one head in the spring it doesn't seem to be the case anymore linebackers i think could either continue to continue continue to get better i mean you saw deloach uh last year you know blow up you know that was a nice surprise for florida state and you're hoping for a big time year true year two starting from him this is more of a game 
uh, type of thing where we'll evaluate that after Duquesne, but really it'll, it'll come into uh, the LSU game, in my opinion. And plus only one week of camp. But I, I will say, you know, Randy Shannon is really hands-on. Uh, and, you know, he'll make it clear when things aren't going right. And that's just nice to have from a coach that has that much experience. But we'll see, you know. We'll, we'll, you, never, you, you never know until you actually have a game when it comes to, like, a question like that. I don't think it's any surprise that Randy Shannon joined Florida State last offseason and then the linebackers had their best year on the field and, and Deloach improved in, in quite some time. Um, and I expect that to only further continue now that he is the position coach. You look at it, he he coached Bethune at UCF, so they've worked together in the past and he worked with the majority of these linebackers last year. And I truly believe he was instrumental in Deloach taking some of those steps forward. DJ Lundy was solid for Florida State last year. And I think if they can figure out how to use Amari Gaynor um, correctly, you know, from game to game, I think he could he could play an impact. And then a guy to me, this is maybe one that might come as a little bit of a surprise, but converted safety, Brendan Gann, who's now down at linebacker. I thought he's shown some some real strides from where he was in the spring to now. And he's made some plays out there, had a couple impressive stops during goal line drills for Florida State the other day, and I was like, is that number 38? I was like, is that Shaheen Brown? No, that's Brendan Gann. It, it kind of surprised me, but, I mean, props to that guy for making the position change to linebacker and then coming in and showing some flashes. So we'll see if he gets involved in the rotation, but I think there, there's something to work with in that linebacker room. Kind of limits things a little bit, you know, with that 4-2-5 defense, so you're not going to have a ton of guys out there in uh, most scenarios, but regardless, there there's talent there for Florida State. There's something to build on. Yeah, no, yeah, Gannon's had a few splash plays there, and you can see even with being in maybe an undersized guy, he still is Florida State's one of his hard, one of the hardest hitting guys. He, he doesn't care. I mean, he's going to come at you no matter what, no matter what size you are. Uh, let's jump into the defensive line unit as a whole. We'll talk in tier and on the outside. I mean. Straight off the bat, I, I meant to mention, too, one of the things I wanted to observe on the first day was seeing Dennis Briggs because I thought in the spring looked heavier, and he also wasn't fully healthy. So I wasn't going to fully grade what you know Dennis Briggs going to this fall camp. I just wanted to see him uh, condition himself and be in better shape and also see him fully healthy. That is the case. Uh, Dennis Briggs is here, and I'm no longer – going to get him out of the defensive end starting conversation. I'm not going to throw him out because I do think now there is a battle between three players and it's pretty clear right now. It's between Jared verse, Derek McLendon and Dennis Briggs and Dennis Briggs. I thought has shown up the fall camp in great shape. He can move with that size. And that's something that Florida state really heavily wants going into this upcoming season where you lost your Thomas, you lost your main Johnson. We've talked about it 80,000 frigging times someone's got to step up here and Dennis Briggs, I, I think is pushing competition with Derek McLennan at this time right now. We'll go into and recap this next week. It might change, but I think there is a true battle. I, I think Jared verse has got this one and we'll see. I mean, it's still early, but it's going to be very hard to get take Jared verse off the field. It's going to take, it's going to take a lot, but you got to like, now you got three guys battling, for two starting positions. And that's exactly what Coach Papp, which Odell, and uh, obviously Norvell and, and Adam Fuller want to do. What are your thoughts going to this defensive end room and maybe some standouts in the younger side? 
it feels like the room is progressing in the right direction. Um, we kind of saw what Florida State had in Jared Verse during the spring and the spring game when he was practically unblockable, and he's definitely carried some of that into the fall. But to me, it just seemed he's also not over-pursuing. He, he's doing a good job of setting the edge, staying in the right position, forcing the running back to cut back inside, the not allowing a ton of big plays in the running game. So I think that's maybe something noticeable where sometimes he would get a little bit ahead of himself and they could kind of sneak by him with something outside or a little bit of uh, a screen pass. So he's doing better there. And then, like you said, with Briggs, um, flexing back out to defensive end, being fully healthy from that injury he suffered last fall. He's been good for Florida State. Had two two sacks. Was it yesterday's practice or Monday's practice? Either way. But a very solid option for Florida State alongside McClendon. And then Patrick Payton as well, another young guy who's stepped mm-hmm. up, shown some flashes. Those are four guys who I fully expect. I don't know how the starters exactly are going to work out at this point, but those four guys are all going to play a role. And we'll, we'll see about Leonard Warner because here and there, he's been in there. He's made some tackles. And, you know, a six-year senior, a guy with a lot of experience, he's not going to be your star, but he's um, a a low-ceiling, high-floor type of option. He's not going to come in there and completely screw it up. you got to no. know what you have in him as a, a stable veteran. I'm glad you brought up Pat Payton because talk about a guy that we wanted to see take that next step in the spring and he did. And now Mm -hmm. it's time to put it on, you know, put it on. And he's, he's had sacks sometimes back to back sacks. He's had tackle for losses. You're now seeing you're starting to, it's starting to form here right in front of our eyes. D Lou of your top four guys that are going to come in and be the ones that you're switching in and out uh, and games. And Pat Payne's going to play this upcoming season for Florida state. He's played well, he's understood the assignment and he's, he just gets after the quarterback man and just ruins plays quickly. And I like, I want to, I can't, I'm jumping to like two years from now, but I'm really excited about the future for Pat Payton and just to feel, have that, Better feeling, Delu, than what we had in the spring. Really question marking this position group. Now to have these four guys that you can rely on that can play at the college level, and now you you've got obviously Pat Payne back there. It feels it feels a lot better. But I do think this is you know I know we talk about Jared Verse and we post videos and pictures of Jared Verse and I blame myself for that but jared verse is jared verse man he, he's had a really good start to fall camp but you've seen him emerge as a leader i know there's a question here on the q a later that we'll finish the podcast off with you know he, he's turned as just a newcomer just for a couple months now really emerge he sets the tone coming into practices i mean he's talking trash to the offense you got trashawn ward and and to philly tripping back at him before they even get to the practice facility you know, the Jared Verse just kind of sets what it needs to be. This this is football, you know, and things need to be a little chirpy. And I think Magnabell talked about, it, you know, there's some times where he's got to tell him to kind of cool it down a little <laughs> bit. But that's just who Jared Verse is. He's going to set the tone for how the practice is going to go that day. And that's such a change in what we've seen in Florida State's practices uh, prior to going back to fall camp. You know, there's not really a, a loud guy in there. Yeah, maybe when practice is going on and such, but before you get there and setting tone and getting, I mean, he's talking trash to, to Sean Ward. He's talking trash to the offensive line, but then he's also after play, if the offensive line put a good block on him, you know, he'll uh, let him know and that's a good rep and whatever. And it's not like just slide remarks and just, just shit talking, man, but it's, it's football. <laughs> and that's what you like from a guy 
who just got on campus, Dilu. I mean, that that's that's something you know. Mike Norvell does a really good job evaluating uh, people that fit well in the locker room, and he did a really good job there with Jared Burse. Maybe what stands out the most about the trash talking is just how calculated it is. He, it's not something that's twenty four seven. He uses it at, at certain points to make an impact. So, like you said, first day of shells, he's walking in talking trash, and you know they they did their business on the field. Then you come back the other day, first day of full pads, Jared Verse, one of the final guys to walk into practice, calm, cool, collected, you know, just a, a look at business on his face. Um, mm. What did I say to you, Logan? I, I think I whispered in your ear, the calm before the storm. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time, one of the first times I had seen that where he's just stoic like that. But then he gets into practice and he's talking trash. He's getting after guys. Um, and like you said, he's stepping up as a leader multiple times after plays whenever if, if he's coming off the sideline with whoever was out there with him at defensive end or on that d-line he's talking to him he's asking him you know what they saw why they did this why why he did this and then he's watching while the younger guys are out there they're coming off the field he's talking to him about about certain things it's been very impressive um to see just how much of an impact that he's made for Florida state he's going to be big on the field but then that leadership that confidence I think he brings to the whole defense is going to be big off the field. Yep. Let's uh, go to the end side now to kind of finish off the first reactions of a uh, fall camp. Like you, your reaction there, Dilu, when talking about it, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like Fabian Love and Robert Cooper. I mean, this is what they did in the spring, and they'll continue, continue to do this. And you, you just see just the size, the power, the rush coming through. I mean, these guys look the part. We already know. We already we don't really need to heart much more on Love it and, and Robert Cooper how they look. You know, I, I saw a tweet uh, to me. I put out a video of um, Ayobami Tafase. I mean, just ridiculous how he should look that size and in shape for how big he is. But next, Robert Cooper and someone was saying, you know, Robert Cooper doesn't look great. You know, he, he looks too ch too big, too much fat, too too chubby, whatever. Robert Cooper is a smooth man. That, that guy, he, he looks he looks big, but he, he does what he needs to do, and he's a guy that it will lead drills. He's going to the next next uh, station quicker than sometimes all of them. I mean, this is a guy that leads the room very well, and I, Mike Bell is really excited for Robert Cooper this upcoming season, and I can see it. There might not be crazy flashes in practice, but when it comes to game time, just like we saw in the latter half of the season and a few times throughout it, Robert Cooper can make a big time um, impact, but we we kind of already know what you're going to get out of those two, D. Lou. Uh, you know, Fabian Lovett is his money year for both of them, but you know, I, I think Fabian Lovett. That's a that's a that's a mean human being <laughs> in the middle, man. That is a mean human being. It's it's just guys that are that big shouldn't be able to move like that, and then <laughs> when whenever someone does catch a move, and he's like, "All right, I'll just put you on your back," he's He's terrific, and Robert Cooper, he's just a big human being. But when you look at the past, uh, the last couple of years of his career, I think he's coming into this camp probably in the best shape that he's ever been. I, I don't think there's been any question with Cooper or Lovett's conditioning throughout the, the early couple of practices um, this fall. And I think I said it earlier on the podcast, it wouldn't surprise me. They look like they're in better shape, and they both – their bodies uh, have just taken another step forward. You know, they've been in college 
for so long in these strength and conditioning programs, it wouldn't surprise me if they're in a position to play maybe even a higher percentage of snaps than they did in 2021. Mm-hmm. Some some guys to note here. We talked about them earlier, but Joshua Farmer look looks just performance wise better than how he did in the spring, and that's because he's been able to understand and to get a feel of, of how much weight he's put on. I don't. I, I think that was kind of uh, a thing to get used to for the spring, and now you're seeing him make some really nice strides. We're getting to see him and offensive versus defensive battles. Usually you're looking at a 3v3 type of situation, just depending on what kind of play scheme that they're going off of run, uh, protect for the offensive line. So Joshua Farmer, no matter what, man, that, that guy is strong as hell, and he'll come through. I thought Farmer has had a nice start uh, to fall camp. And I want to mention a freshman real quick. I, I I thought, man, he had flashes in the spring, and he's continuing to do the more Bishop Thomas. I don't, I don't think he's going to play a vital impact this upcoming season. But I think I, I I do think you know if there's ever a time where he can where Odell is going to give him some play time, they're going to give him some this upcoming season because I think he's got a nasty rush up that middle, guys. I, I don't know what it is. He's not the big. He's definitely not the biggest guy out there. I think Daniel Lyons has definitely got the height, but I don't know if it's in his base. I'll probably watch him a lot more tomorrow. I don't know what it is, but he's able to get in and get through to the quarterback or ruin plays in the backfield. I've really liked the start of the last couple of months with the spring included with Bishop Thomas. And I don't think there's been a lot of talk about him. And I want to see him have another n- nice, solid week. And he's a guy that needs, still needs to be coached up. There's a few other guys that need to. He's one of those guys that, you know, more hands-on on coaching uh, does him better. And there's no better coach in, in the country on the defensive line right there that does it, and that's Odell Hagan's. He's had his moments, that's for sure. I think he had a sack or two yesterday, as you said, got into the backfield a couple times. And then I think maybe my favorite play of practice um, was at the end. They were going through overtime situation. It was fourth down. Um, the, the offense had to score because the other offense had already scored. So they had to go for it. Duffy is under pressure in the pocket. He just has to pretty much throw a prayer to the end zone and hope someone's able to get it there so they can tie it up. Instead, you've got 300-something-pound Bishop Thomas running down the field, nearly intercepting the pass, came up maybe a foot or two short, just couldn't get off the ground high enough to get the ball. But if he would have grabbed that, the defense, I swear, Adam Fuller, he was locked in on that. He was, If this kid catches this, we're moving him to safety. Well, <laughs> I, I was right there in the end zone, too, and I wouldn't say Adam Fuller was locked in on it because he was – Adam Fuller hauled ass away from that thing because there was – well, that's two guys coming at the ball at the same time. Adam Fuller was getting the hell out of the way. And I, I was the dumbass there was just like, oh, please catch this, Bishop. Please catch this so we can put this in the practice report. Please catch it. But he dove, and Bishop got mad at himself that he catch it. But I don't know how he was going to do that. But you're talking about a defensive line, d that was in the trenches there going all the way back into the end zone trying to come away with the ball. I, I like the start for Bishop. He's not – there's a few guys that aren't going to play an impact this upcoming season, but I like the start from Armella and I really like the start from Bishop Thomas. And I'm excited to see these guys into week two. I'm just like, are, are they happy that he almost got the interception or are they like, why weren't you at the quarterback? What are you doing back? There? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure going back to film. I'm sure that's a fun one. I couldn't imagine film room with Odell. Higgins. It's like, if you get the pick, they're like, okay, it's fine. But he didn't get the pick. So mm-hmm. I like this, uh, 
right here from Monterey YouTube, kind of describing Bishop Thomas, a tank with a Ferrari engine. And he might I think be he was talking about that. Fabian, but yeah. That was or good. Robert Cooper, probably. Yeah, but really, probably. top to bottom, and I mean, we've harped on it, that defensive line unit, extremely tough. Cooper and Lovett, we can talk about them all day. Jarrett Jackson, Malcolm Ray, Farmer, they've all continued to make strides this fall where you've got four or five guys in that rotation who can just continue to spell one another whenever someone gets fatigued. Um, a lot of versatility as well. And then even behind that, you've got Thomas, you've got Ayobami Tafasi, who maybe he hasn't had the most flashes in practice yet, but physically you watch this guy walking in and you're like, he's 17 years old. He might've just turned 18, but either way, he's a teenager. He's a true freshman. He just got here and in June, I mean, and like you said, you had him next next to Robert Cooper in those videos, and he doesn't look like your typical true freshman. I think you're going to – he can't – I don't think he can play this year due to some academic things, but in the future. And Daniel Lyons as well. We'll see about Dante Anderson. There's some promise there. So you're going to get strong production out of your defensive line in 2022, and then – for the immediate future, if not the long-term future as well, that unit is set up to perform. Yeah. Uh, just real quick running through a list of names. I know we've covered them all. You know, mine on my end, uh, Julian Armella, a freshman impressing early. Julian Armella, Bishop Thomas. Spelled, um, you spelled true freshman wrong on your tweet. You said Tur. Oh, well. Nice. Tur. Hopefully people will understand that. But true freshman coming in, Julian Armella, Bishop Thomas, along with uh, Azure Thomas are probably my top three guys that have really stood out to me to start this fall camp. They've had a really, really, really nice start. And one thing that I like about them is that they're really good observers and listeners. I, I think that's something that, you know, Magnervell has preached on a lot. And that's something that this program has lacked a lot. Just, just, just listen and take it all in. And that was a little bit of a different expectation of what I had for Julian Armella to start this camp. I thought he'd come in a little bit more talkative, chirpy a little bit. It's been the whole opposite, man. And that's a great game plan from him. I think Norvell, Norvell Coach Atkins, really got to like the start for Armella. Yeah, and to add to that, I would go with A.J. Duffy, just with some of those signs we've seen in, in fall camp. And then Rodney Hill. I mean, Rodney Hill just mm -hmm. continues to blow me away. Every day we're out there for practice, and for it's just it's such a shame that Florida State has so much depth at running back because this is a guy who I think could be a contributor from day one in, in most college backfields. But he's got three, four damn good players right there with him competing for snaps. Um, already looks like he's been in college for at least a year. He's built, um, despite I think he he we talked about it. He moved from the high one seventies to the low, low one nineties, and he's kept the speed. He's just a, a burner out there. Whenever he gets a little bit of, a, of an opening, he's gone. And there was one play in particular, he cut back across the defense and just a wide open touchdown. So Rodney Hill is going to be a good one for Florida state in the future. We've got a quick Q and a that will jump through some questions that we got sent through us through discord that we'll go over here in just a few minutes so not we're talking special teams i will mention norvell wasn't happy with what he saw on tuesday so he said that was the worst performance by the special teams unit mainly just special the special lists he made sure clear uh, of that there but it wasn't too happy with what happened there was a block kick and maybe i didn't see anything because i was on the 
on the defensive side of things. Maybe I missed some kind of bad block there, or maybe there was a bad snap. There actually there was a I think, few. I think it was a bad snap. Yeah, and Norvell uh, wasn't happy about it. Knowles recovered or, or some Knowles. Yep, it was so, Knowles. But I will say I thought the and you know, we can't really deep dive into special teams, but watching it a little bit throughout practice, I thought the punting ha- has been impressive. Master Motto, we all know the the punter from down under. He he's got a leg, but you look over at preferred walk on Mac. Uh, I think it's it's Chewy Minto. He's he's got a strong leg as well, and I mentioned it to special teams analyst Carter Barfield the other day. I was like, man, like there's not really many six foot four, six foot five punters. And you look at Mac, the first thing when you see him walking to practice, I'm like, is that a linebacker? No, that's the punter. And, I mean, he's he's got a leg to him, so. Gotta like what you have in the punting department the, the next couple of years. Maybe not your most exciting position group, but one that's more important than most people realize. Hurt FSU a lot of ways last year. Uh, I know there's some questions too of some players in here. If we didn't you know talk about any of them tonight, then there's probably uh they they, they just didn't <clears throat> come out in front of our eyes, we didn't put them in our notes, then that just is what it is. There's, there's 84 some- scholarship players. There's a bunch of, there's a lot, a large number more of walk-ons. You know, we're looking at over a hundred guys out there on the practice field. So we're just trying to identify the ones that have truly um, stood out to us. So yeah, like you said, we're not gonna be able to mention every guy, but throughout fall camp, I'm sure we'll eventually end up touching on every single name on that roster. Yeah, no, we've got a long thing to do. Next week, we could be talking about a whole different variety of players. But when you start, when we start getting consistent like that, then you start understanding about who is probably going to be having a lot of playing time this upcoming season. So yeah, in order for us, because we could go through every name and we could, you know, we see a lot of guys, but we would probably be on here until 11 o'clock. And eventually we got to try to enjoy the, the day off, the one that we kind of have. <laughs> uh, let, let's jump into, like I said, we're going to go into some fall camp Q&As here. And about maybe 15 minutes, but let's jump in through uh, some quick hitters and mainly recruiting stuff here on that side of the ball. On that side of the ball, well, I can go with that. Jacksonville State grad transfer Malik Feaster commits to Florida State over Auburn. We got to see him visit one of the practices, visited, visited FSU as a whole. Seemed like things were heading in the right direction, anyways, but Florida State lands Malik Feaster. Thoughts on this? Because he is supposedly, he arrived today in Tallahassee. Yeah, this isn't a guy who's going to come in and unseat Kevin Knowles or or Cooper as a starter at cornerback. But um, like I said about whoever earlier, I think a kind of a low ceiling, high floor option, um, a redshirt senior, someone who's played a lot of football, who can be a dependable option in the rotation and not just you know completely melt down whenever he gives up a a big play or something. He's not going to be someone who's out of position. Yeah, he's not going to be someone I think who flashes necessarily either uh, a ton, but he'll be in the correct spots for Florida State. He'll do his job, and Florida State, we know that they've been looking for an addition in that cornerback room over the past couple of months. They've hosted numerous JUCO guys, numerous transfers. Um, we think back to Damon David from Oregon took an official visit during the month of June, but then he elected to return. To Oregon. So Feaster was one of the last options on the table for Florida State. They were able to get him in for that visit, offer him the scholarship. I believe, if my count is correct, they're at 84 
of 85 allocated scholarships with his addition. And he's a redshirt senior, not going to take up a scholarship beyond the fall, not going to prohibit Florida State from putting out a, a scholarship in that 2023 class. So this late in the in the process, I mean, I think it's as, as good of an option as you can find considering who they've already missed out on uh, to this point. And like you said, Feaster arrived in Tallahassee this evening. Um, I traded a couple messages with him briefly. He's not quite sure yet if he's practicing, but I would assume if he's back in town, that means he's gotten through the graduation process at Jacksonville State and everything's kind of checking out. We'll see if he practices. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he's out there tomorrow morning. On to another one, too. Florida State landed 2023 defensive back Jabril Rawls. You actually got to have an interview here, too, with him uh, telling you about why he committed to Florida State. I thought it was a pretty interesting interview overall, and I'll give my opinion on that. But he commits to Florida State on Monday. Another that's def- uh, just defensive back city, man. What was going on this week? I don't know. I guess I guess it was just something um, in the water. But like you said, you bring in Jabril Rawls. Um, August first was the first day that official scholarship offers could go out, and he was one of the guys that received one from Florida State. And I don't know if if people have seen it yet, but the way Florida State kind of did it, they sent a link to the prospect that went to a personalized video from Mike Norvell talking about offering them an official scholarship offer from Florida State. Everything up to this point has been verbal. So you're seeing some guys who maybe have a school on their offer list who are not receiving <clears throat> that official <clears throat> official scholarship offer. So this is kind of one of those points where recruiting becomes a little bit more real. But Jabril Rawls did receive his from Florida State. He had a conversation with Mike Norvell, and in that conversation, Norvell told him that he had done everything he needed to do to commit to Florida State. And Rawls, shortly after in that conversation, said, can I commit tomorrow? And Norvell said, yeah, just let me know first. And that was kind of how it all came together. It, It happened pretty quickly. Florida State had him on campus this past weekend at the Seminole Showcase. Really liked what he saw, uh, liked what they saw, Coach Woodson, Coach Norvell, and Coach Wilson. Um, six foot one, 170-ish or so, another long and rangy defensive back, which we see that's a body type that Florida State likes to have in their defensive backfield. And they believe this is a guy who can play corner, he can play nickel, he can play safety. They're going to figure it out once he does um, get to campus. So, Nice pickup for Florida State, guy who's probably going to rise up in the rankings throughout his senior season, wasn't able to get out to as many camps and whatnot this offseason due to um, a surgery, but he's now fully recovered from that and going to be competing for Pensacola Catholic this fall. Also, a pretty pretty darn good special teams player returned. It was either two punts or two kickoffs for touchdowns as a junior, so we'll see how he grows and He's the second defensive back to commit to Florida State, joining Quindarius Jones in the class. Seminoles have a chance to round it out, or I don't know if they're going to go for three or four yet, but maybe round it out with K.J. Kirkland this month. Mm. Yeah, I, I read the interview, too, and I did see the part where he said that you know, he's keeping his options open, and that's that's understandable. Maybe he's just being more clear-cut than most recruits, and maybe <laughs> I do like it. Maybe I do like it, but it does question how long. Well, too honest, of, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe a two too honest but then i'm also now thinking about maybe i respect him more for just being clear and honest with this so um but yeah he said he's going to keep his options open even after committing take it for what you want but uh florida state uh you know offered the kid got it you know it allowed him to commit and everything so we'll we'll see that and then florida state one that i'm really excited for you know we've been able to to you know 
start building a relationship with him. I'm actually supposed to be doing an IG live with him uh, soon, but CJ heard, you know, this was a, <laughs> a guy that wasn't, didn't put Florida state and his top schools and the graphic there, but ends up not only doing that, <laughs> but then on Instagram, he's got a video of the Florida Gator logo coming up, which just looks like a commitment video to the Gators and then scratching that off. And then comes Florida state graphic. I'm committed to Florida state Seminoles. I mean, not only is he trolling all the other schools, he's specifically trolling the Florida Gators, Florida state fans. Obviously you've already, you know, he's done a good job there in the fan department. What what, what are your thoughts on CJ Hurd? The 2024 guy is still young, but a talented defensive back that Florida state really likes. And, you know, also has some really good connections with some other players across the country. It felt like this one was a little obvious. Uh, Herdard was trending to Florida State pretty clearly back in the spring. It seemed like he was primed to commit at some point this summer. And he, I mean, he professed those thoughts to me and some other reporters as well. So when he did release that top seven, it was a little confusing. I was like, what, what happened there? Uh, and then as time kind of went on, kind of got a little bit of an inkling that maybe this was a troll just to throw people off the scent. And so he could have a little bit of, of a buzz for his announcement. And he arrived in, in Tallahassee shortly before he made that commitment at 2 p.m. And, you know, once he did, he was out there inside Doak Campbell Stadium, hanging out with the coaches, hanging out with some of the other commitments. He didn't work out at the Seminole Showcase, but he was definitely enjoying being a part of the tribe then returned on Sunday morning to view practice with his family. This is a guy going to play safe, <clears throat> going to play safety at Florida state grew up an FSU fan. It's always been his dream to uh, be a Seminole and now he's going to get a chance to live it out and we'll see how he continues to progress over the next two years at the high school level. But his commitment does have Florida state back at number two in the country early on in those 2024 class rankings. Nice future at this time. At this time, a lot changes with recruiting, but future at this time looks really bright. Uh, let's talk about the Seminole Showcase. A few of these guys, some big names in attendance. Blake Nicholson, how many days was he here? Linebacker over there from the West Coast, major Florida State target. I mean, when you talk linebackers, I think we've had a few comments in here about Florida State's got to do better than that linebacker recruiting department. Blake Nicholson on campus for four days, practically? Yeah, just, just about four days. And I mean, same with... Hakeem Williams, just insane for Florida State to get these long, multi-day unofficial visits from two of the top prospects at their respective positions in the country. You know, you think back, it's it's only been it's only been a little bit over a month since Blake Nicholson was in Tallahassee on that official visit. So for him to decide to return on his own dime with his family, make that trek from California to Tallahassee for four days, uh, it, it says a lot about Florida State's chances in that recruitment. And then, I mean, same thing for Hakeem Williams. They haven't hosted him for an official visit. That's going to happen during the season for the Florida game, but just before the fall to have this guy and, you know, you look at the the recruiting calendar right now, this was only a seven day stretch where recruits were able to get on college campuses. So Florida state for over 50% of that period, they were able to have Hakeem and Blake on campus and Hakeem didn't work out at the Seminole showcase. Neither did Blake. They both kind of viewed things, from the sidelines, but Florida State, they're in a position for both of those guys. It sounds like Hakeem is actually going to make a commitment coming up here in late September or October. So that's before he officially visits Florida State. 
we'll see if they're able to get him back for another unofficial visit before that decision. I think it would be huge um, for that for their chances. But coming out of the weekend, positive vibes uh, for both of those recruitments. And it seems like Blake Nicholson, based on his comments, could make a commitment um, to a program. Sounds like things are between Florida State and Oregon right now. With Wisconsin kind of trying to get in there late, UCLA's hanging around, but the top two are the Seminoles and the Ducks, and sounds like Nicholson could be ready to decide later this month. I was going to just point out here, it'd be really impressive if Florida State does end up landing Nicholson just because of going to Dan Lanning's pedigree at the linebacker position, what he's throwing into the NFL, man. I mean, that would be a major win for Florida State, and you know, you do feel good after that visit. Seems like things went very well. You're spending that much time to, you know, you got the family there too. Some of the off the field staff doing a great job with Nicholson yeah. and being really supportive there. Um, doing a, doing a good job there. We'll see what ends up happening and just seeing high keen visit there and be around all the practices and the, you know, the relationship, it's very easy going, you know, and that's something Florida state's done a really good job with Williams. That's just a, a nice relationship where, you know, high can kind of walk around, do his own thing. You don't have to be on him the whole time 24 seven and you know he's able to be there really you know firsthand and, and be around these practices so really cool opportunity for both top tier major targets at florida state or after for sure and yeah the perception of linebacker changes a lot if you land blake nicholson because there's been a lot of wonder this offseason you know why isn't florida state going after this guy in florida why isn't why aren't they going after this guy in georgia the linebacker room maybe it's been a little bit confusing at times with how things have worked out and I mean, me personally, I was like, why are they putting all these eggs in the Blake Nicholson basket? This is a guy from California. He's not going to come to Tallahassee from from California. But I mean, man, they kept chipping away. And I think it helps that they've got a real good connection there with general manager Derek Gray. Done a fantastic job in this recruitment, was attached uh, to the hip with Nicholson during his official visit. And now again, during this multi-day unofficial visit, they're both from the same area. I believe they're both from uh, Manteca. So a lot of, they can relate to each other very well. And then Coach Norvell, Coach Shannon have, have both stepped up to try and help close out this recruitment. And as I said, I think Florida State right now, um, they're in the best position to land Blake Nicholson and pair him alongside DeMarco Ward. I think that's probably the end of linebacker recruiting in this class if it comes to fruition, but we'll see. Florida State, well, you know, Florida State's got a big target here with K.J. Kirkland, defensive back of the 2023 class getting close to uh, committing. Seems like Florida State's in a pretty good spot here. D. Lou, what are your thoughts on him and also the ETA on that, on that, the commitment date? What is that? Yeah, uh, Kirkland back at Florida State for, I believe, the fifth time this offseason. So he's been to Tallahassee a ton. He knows what to expect whenever he comes to Florida State on an unofficial visit. I think he said that in his interview the the energy is always the same when he comes to Tallahassee and they're very they're very consistent you know with their pursuit of him but he didn't he didn't work out either if i'm if i'm correct but regardless just having him back in town once again to be around the, that coaching staff watch uh, coach Woodson coach and he said that he had talks with the entire staff they were all sitting down with him and and speaking with him and decisions coming up he named Florida State his leader coming out of the event he's planning to announce a commitment date here early in august so i mean we're right around that timeline could be coming any day i think he said he wants to commit mid to late august so we'll see when that date comes out right now the secondary contender 
is Kentucky. And, you know, we saw Florida State, they lost a, a battle for a defensive back in Avery Stewart to Kentucky a, a couple weeks ago. I'm sure they'll be wanting to get some revenge this time. And you look at Kirkland, just like uh, Jabril Rawls, he really fits that mold, a long and rangy defensive back, a guy who Florida State can use in the defensive backfield in a, in a multitude of ways. I think eventually he probably winds up at safety. But regardless, he's got that versatility to work at multiple positions before eventually deciding on that. And he would probably be the best DB that Florida State has landed to this point. Roderick Kearney, a uh, Florida State commitment who is personally recruiting him to join the class. And we'll see how it works out over these next couple of weeks. Like Nicholson, I think Florida State's in the best position to land this one. Any last observations that you had at the Seminole Showcase? I know there were some quarterbacks throwing, and you know you got some word on a few things afterwards because there was some chatter that maybe Florida State would end up putting an offer on one of them. What was your thoughts? You're right there in Doak getting to see them throw. What was your thoughts after that Seminole Showcase? Yeah, you know, there's definitely some flashes out there, but just based on uh, my talks with people around the program concluding the event and – in the day since, I don't believe Florida State right now, they're going to be offering Kaysen Wiseman or Ryan Brown a scholarship. And I mean, there's been a social media kind of campaign going around for Giselle Riley. I'm sorry to shut that down tonight, but I was also told Florida State not a lot of interest there at this point. I think those are maybe backup plans. Guys at Florida State will continue to evaluate throughout the fall and maybe pull the trigger on. But as of right now, Florida State not in a position to uh, pursue those guys. I do believe the quarterback board will be learning some more names here in the new in the near future. And that's something that we'll be expanding. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how the Seminoles operate, um, particularly with it already being August and most of the top quarterbacks in the country in the 2023 class already committed to other schools. So Florida State, if they are going to land a, a four star or Someone like that, they're going to have to go out and flip them from another program. It's going to be interesting to uh, see their approach. Mm -hmm. Ricky Collins seems like uh, the immediate buzz is to LSU there, and he's from Louis. He's from the state of Louisiana. Grew up an LSU fan. I don't think the Tigers have officially offered him just yet, but by all accounts, you know, you look at the way things are trending. It seems like he's going to be ending up at LSU, and just makes sense. Same thing with Shelton Sampson. They got a decision coming up for him on August 6th, I think. Florida State had Sampson and Collins on official visits in Tallahassee the same weekend just to kind of, you know, talk about that pairing. But at Florida State, it seems like they're both going to be staying home to pair up at LSU. Yeah. I mean, LSU I think has been a thorn in the side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, just like uh, like Mendoza, I, I just had to hit a little side there because this was the number one thing that I was worried about. Florida State putting them in a position now. You, I don't, we haven't really discussed it yet. We should, but Brock Lynn electing to go with mm -hmm. Ohio State and not Florida State. You already lost Chris Parson. Now you are flat nothing in that quarterback room, and. Well, what what do you kind of do here? Because you're already uh, the current state of the quarterback room. It ain't pretty, you know. After after what you have and Jordan Travis going in this 2022 season, 
it ain't. I mean, you just can't gloss over it. It ain't pretty. Uh, it kind of sucks where Florida State is in this in this quarterback room and what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to have to make moves either recruiting, it's a transfer portal. Thank God that's available now. But Florida State, first off, wasn't able to grab someone this last offseason before the season began. And now, once again, you lose Chris Parson. You thought maybe there was a good chance for Glenn there. He decides to go out of state. I mean, now, well, what is what is the problem? This is something that is that's worrisome, in my opinion. I mean, I know there's a lot of time. Yes, get it, yada, yada, yada. But still, that's just not a good look to start off. Florida State and quarterback recruiting uh, just hasn't been a pretty combination over the last couple of years. We've said it before, five straight classes with a quarterback decommit. It it seemed like maybe there was some optimism that Glenn would be heading to Florida State with the decommitment of Chris Parson. It's like, why would he decommit if there's not someone else on board? But as things have kind of went on over the past couple of weeks, it felt a little obvious that Glenn was waiting on something, and that was for Ohio State to decide that he was a take there. And he would have made he went ahead and made that decision. Two pledge to the Buckeyes. Um, we'll see how it works out. Florida State, they're going to keep that relationship until the end because you never know how it works out. Um, think about Amarius Mims, you know, enters the transfer portal. Florida State, they did a great job during his recruitment. They host him. They don't get him, but still, they're in a position to get him. And it could be the same thing with Glenn or any of these other recruits down the line in a couple of years with how the transfer portal is working. You keep these rela- – no matter what, where they commit, you keep these relationships – until the end, because you never know what can transpire a couple years down the road. But as for Florida State, like I said, I think the the board is going to be expanding here in the near future. There's some lower targets that they're evaluating that I don't think are going to be getting offers right now. They wanted to take two high school signal signal callers. I don't think they're necessarily now in a position to do that. You're hoping to get one, and then probably you're going to be Looking at the transfer market a little bit harder than you were before because if you if you lose Jordan Travis uh, following the fall, you're not in a great position at quarterback. You're not you're not in a great position as is. That's a room where you want to build some more depth. And you know, Coach Norvell, Coach Tokars, they know that very well. Um, and we'll see if they're able to get it done. But we will be keeping a very close eye on. Heading into the season is that quarterback room. Do you have any last comments there on the Seminole showcase? Was that kind of wrap it up? I mean, I mean you got to see Lucas Simmons. You got to see Lucas Simmons go against um, Kedrick Falk. It was a nice Two. little event. Probably, I think, of around 100 or so prospects in attendance, maybe 60 to 80 worked out. You know, there was some talent out there, a bunch of FSU commits. Like you said, Lucas Simmons, maybe my favorite part was they have Lucas Simmons and Keldrick Falk line up on each other, and they're about to go. They're about to blow the whistle so they can do their one-on-one. And JP's like, wait, 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 wait. He stops everybody, pulls out his phone, and takes a picture of Lucas Simmons and Keldrick Falk like lined up on each other. He's like, this is going to be say that. good yeah. for the future. I forget the exact quote. I like tweeted it out, but yeah, know, the future is bright or, or something mm-hmm. like that, like a, loads of talent. And then Kearney came up against Falk, and they, he's like, wait. Do it again. Get that picture. So it was it was fun being out there. There's definitely some guys um, with Florida State caliber talent that were in attendance. One that stood out to me, offensive lineman Chris Otto, who holds an offer from Florida State. I think depending on the amount of offensive he, – he's a two-way player, so they could take him as a defensive lineman. So depending on how many total linemen they decide to take, he might be a guy to monitor, very smart guy. And there are some others – 
throughout the event as well. Watching Luke Croman uh, Hawk and Camden Fryer hook up, they just seem to be building a, a really solid connection with one another with you know so much time left before they do get to Florida State. Really excited for Camden Fryer. Really excited. I've only got to see him once in a camp, but that was enough for me, and I really like his family. He's great too. So might be having both him and, and his dad on soon. Um, you know, once things kind of slow down just a tad, which not going to happen, but we do want to have both of them on. Camden has been really impressive to watch, D. Lou. Uh, they've got Florida State. If you if you want Florida State to have their next run throw, that is them. Um, so it's uh, just going to be a little while. I'm going to have to be a little patient, but they do have a, a, a really nice, talented guy that is only going to get better. So young, so young. Yeah, you, you ended things off at the showcase with the water balloon fight, which got a lot Were of you criticism. involved there. I was involved as in I was running away. <laughs> I was standing there in the middle and then I was like, oh wait, I see what's yeah. happening here. Let me let me Yeah. Move. I yeah, um, I, saw, I saw that. Yeah, I saw the Chris. I don't even like I don't even entertain that. I just don't even I don't click on the tweet and just see the mention. There's no way that definitely don't look at the quote retweets because it's I'm sorry that fifteen year olds had fun on a weekend. My God, I'm so sorry. I would I would have Snow be, made it all worth it though. Yeah, then you steal a Steal a snow cone from. I don't want to say stole I stole it from. Hikeem. I don't want to say I stole the snow cone, but he definitely stole it. it. He stole it from Hikeem Williams. I borrowed it. Yeah, if he doesn't end up committing to FSU, we know why we blame Dustin Lewis. I was going to say I would have killed to actually get hit by one of those water balloons. It's hot out there. It was, it's got to be hot. That was my feeling after the fact. I was like, man, if one actually, does come my direction, I will try and use my face. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, let's finish off this pod real quick. These are going to just going to be kind of quick hitter Q and A's. So a lot of these questions came from the Discord, and a lot of the majority is going to be fall camp related. Um, we don't want to go too crazy into recruiting stuff because we'll we'll be on here till ten thirty, and we we've already getting close to two hours. So let's run through these real quick and finish off the pod. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us still. Uh, let's get into it. So it's question here from the discord asking hearing a lot of good stuff about players leading by example who are they so we've kind of talked a little bit about them earlier i'd say one of them uh, you know fabian lovett robert cooper have done a really good job dylan gibbons on the offensive line along with marie smith uh, those are definitely in the trenches guys and then you know i I'd give it to jared first i think he's become a leader you know he's still building chemistry with some of his teammates, but I see Jared verse and then maybe some skill players, D Lou, you know, Keyshawn Helton, you know, he, he's not going to, I don't, he's not going to be a pivotal factor this upcoming season for FSU, but he does such a great job, a great job as a leader overall of this team. And he's goes up to players, definitely goes to the young ones and is helping coach there. Cause he's just, he, he's been around the program for this long. And he's done a really, uh, he's done a, it's just a great presence to have a practice. Any, anybody else, that you see D Lou leading by example. Yeah, I agree with all those that you just said. And I would add, add on to it with uh, Kevin Knowles and Marion Cooper, you know, just rising sophomores, but two guys who I've taken a notice to, they, they're constantly in their teammates' ears when they're out there lining up. They're, they're looking over at each other, making sure that they're on the correct receiver, or they're in the correct positioning uh, pre snap. So just a lot of, um, as you said earlier in the show, a lot of self accountability. And it was something that the coaches have preached from the beginning. Now it's trickled down to the players. And when you're at the point where your your players are holding the other guys accountable and they're putting them in the right spots and they're motivating them and competing with them, I think it just shows that the culture that Mike Norvell has tried to instill from day one 
is showing up consistently for Florida State with just how these guys are operating right now. You know, it's it's been a very businesslike approach. They have fun at sometimes, but they know how to get after it, and they're they're keeping everyone in check. Next question is how much? How Sorry, much I, said, I probably said too much. Sorry. Forgot. Yeah, wait, we're, 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 yeah, this is that was like middle medium Sorry. of how fast we're going to do these. We need to amp it up a little bit quicker. How much say <laughs> do you think Coach Atkins will have in play call and game plan? This is a quick answer here. We kind of talked about it earlier with some of the series that you're seeing Mike Norvell run. This is all on uh, this is this is Mike Norvell's offense. Coach Atkins has said it. I think Coach Atkins has said that this is Jordan Travis's offense. That's how it's going to be. Nothing's much is going to change. I do think the run game, though, he's going to he's obviously going to play a major part in that. But nothing is going to be on his shoulders for play calling whatsoever. And when it comes to games, and I, I'm I'm excited for that. I like Mike Norvell being the sole driver for this offense, in my opinion. Not having to, you know, mix things up with Kenny Dillingham. And, and I, there was no knock on Kenny Dillingham. I think they also have a great relationship. You see Kenny Dillingham quoting some of the beat members from FSU, showing the race and everything. You know that they had a great relationship just with some of the navigational ways they run that offense. I think they were off a little bit with one another, but now I'm excited for the offense under Mike Norvell. Yeah. I think it's going to be a big learning experience for coach Atkins as he steps into that bigger role this fall. And if he does stick with Florida state for the future, you know, go into the coming years, it's going to be exciting to kind of watch how he grows into that position and how him and Norvell balance things out. This next question is about Jordan Travis and Lou, I think you talked about it a little bit earlier. Does Jordan Travis look a bit more comfortable back there being a passer? I would say so. We saw it in the spring. He's trying to get better there in the pocket. You got to like too that you've got a lot of bigger bodies there now than what you had last year. I do think I do. I, I, I see it. You know, he, he's, he stays in the pocket more than he runs. I mean, that's what we saw in the spring. We saw it in the latter half of the football season last year. He is more comfortable, D-Lou. Without a doubt. Uh, and, you know, I've said it a couple times. It, I think it helps that the offensive line play is better, but it's also just Jordan's development of, as a quarterback. He's become more comfortable sitting there throwing around pressure rather than seeing guys coming at him and be like, I need to get out of here right now. He knows that he has time to make those plays now rather than just immediately forcing it and, and trying to get out of there. I mean, he's made some plays outside the pocket, but he's also sitting in that pocket, delivering, finding guys on, on the right timing. Um, like I said, he's hooked up with Malik McClain uh, a ton so far in camp and Ontario Wilson as well. So, You've, you've got to love what you see from Jordan Travis. All the signs are there. We saw it last year at, at the end of the 2021 season where he was making those steps as a passer. And, I mean, it's just continued. And he's got to be feeling really good going into this 2022 season. And in my opinion, I'm not worried about him airing it out. I'm just worried about him staying healthy. Next question is, Trey Benson, the most talented running back we've had since Cam Akers. And we talked about this in the production meeting. Let us let us have a game. We need it. We do need a game. We do need to see a game first. I will say that. But you do like the little, little the, the not a little. You got a lot of flashes from Trey Benson and his explosiveness. Like you were talking about earlier, D. Lou, he can break some open, and you just you didn't think that was going to be able to happen. But he'll break it open, and he is, I think, Florida State's most explosive player. 
in that running back room, and along with you know walk on CJ Campbell, those guys can break some things open with some speed. Let me see a game before we talk about Cam Akers, who you know is a killer at, at running back and did really well for Florida State and doing his thing with the Rams. But give me give me a little bit of time. Give me a little bit of time. I'm gonna see a game. At least give me Duquesne. At least give me Duquesne. Yeah, ben, Benson. Uh, he's a home run threat. I mean, every every single play. And maybe what stands out to me the most about him is just how much confidence he has in that knee, you know, the one that he suffered that injury on a, a couple years ago. He's fully back. He's not worried about it at all. There, there's no thinking about when he's going to make a cut or, or when he's going to accelerate to top speed. He's going to be damn good for Florida State this fall. I don't know if I want to say he's the best since Cam Akers. Um, I also want to see him play a couple games. Let's make sure – because sometimes you see some great things in practice doesn't always translate to the games. I want to see if Benson can make that transition. Next question. Other than the obvious, Jordan Travis, Jared Verse, Fabian Lovett, Jamie, who is the one guy that truly has the potential to be a big-time difference maker that will translate into wins? I've got mine, and it just came to my head. I just... I read it before, but I didn't really have an answer, but it just came to me. I think it's going to be Malik McLean this upcoming season for FSU. I think he's going to put Florida State in a good spot to win games, get them down the field, Florida State, finding that momentum. Because when, when Florida State and Jordan Travis on the offensive side are in a momentum, that that is a scary offense. And we've seen signs of it, just there's no consistency, and that's Mike Ravel's preach since the spring and in his fall camp. Consistency, consistency, consistency. And what I see through spring and now fall camp is Jay Trapped and Lake McLean, and it's non-friggin' stop. I think he's I think he's got a chance to be a game changer for Florida State this upcoming season. Didn't the question say like someone you wouldn't think about or something? It was someone other than the obvious, but he named is a Malik he named, McLean not obvious. No, not to me. I got people people were saying that Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson starting over Malik McLean. Like I was thinking about under the radar guys. I was gonna say, well, those are those would be like. I was gonna say guys. maybe maybe Thomas, just Azure? because I, I yeah, just because be I a thought game they're, changer. I I think so for Florida State as the season goes on. But translate mean, the wins. I think I think, gonna, I think he could. Did Kevin Knowles and Amari and Cooper not translate some wins for Florida State last year? Whenever they got inserted into the lineup, second half of the season. But I just need to see are that so is he going to take their spots? That's what I'm, I'm not. Wondering. I'm not saying he's going to take their spots, but I think but, he can come in and play a big role for Florida State. And I want to see it over the next 14 practices. And another guy that we talked about earlier, Deuce Span. I would have him in that thing as well. Someone you're not thinking about off the top of your head who could come in and make a big impact for FSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Deuce one's probably a good one because I'm reading there that, that will translate to wins. So I think I, I don't want to say. Let me get one more week of Deuce Span. Let me get one more week. We're getting we're getting to uh, <laughs> getting to. We only had one it's week. Not over, not, let's op- not overhype. Let's we not over-hype. can't overhype and do too optimistic stuff here because we're, we're getting we're getting too wild. Try to keep it. We want to keep this show at least you know a good bit of real realistic. Anyways, uh, let's go to this next question. We only had two more. Uh, difference in coaching style from Kenny Dillingham to Coach Tokar, Florida State's quarterbacks coach, and then Randy Shannon, linebackers coach, to Chris Marv, who uh, is over there as Virginia Tech's defensive coordinator. I, you know, we Delu's seen a little bit of practices. Only got to see a few in the spring, but you now get to see the full camp. I don't fall camp. I 
Dillingham definitely hands on. Tokars is the same way, so there's not much of a difference there. Randy Shannon still hands on. I don't, I don't think there's much of a major change there, in my opinion. I think experience for Randy Shannon is one that stands out to me, whereas Tokars is fresh into the system. Yeah, I, I do say, and I, you know, Mike Norvell has been significantly more hands on this fall camp with the quarterback room. And specifically, I got to say Jordan Travis than what I saw in the spring. That has been a big change that I do want to mention. I don't really have a whole lot to add. Just yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty informative there. Nothing, nothing crazy out of that. Uh, this next question is who looks like the most improved from last year to now one player on offense, one player on defense. I like these questions, man. We should do these, do these more often. So then I don't have to work hard and build this docket before every show. Do you have your answer? <laughs> I was going to let you lead while I tweet out the question. Cause that's a good, <laughs> that's a good question to bring in some views here to, finish off the show and and y'all put in the chat too i mean i guess y'all aren't at the practices so maybe not you have to go off our reports but all right so who looks the most improved from last year to now one player on offense one player to defense uh give me uh defense pat payton that's an easy one for me i'm gonna go pat payton defensive end the spring i wanted to see growth from him and we got exactly that and now he's having a strong fall camp so far so I'd probably go Pat Payton. Who who do you on defense while I think about an offensive player, D Lou? I'm I'm thinking, man, maybe maybe Shaheen Brown. But then but then again, like he looked good in fall camp last year. So Yeah. But he didn't play much. Like I was saying earlier, he didn't play much as a true freshman. I just I just see more confidence there. You know, this the signs of growth. Mm-hmm. the physical development. I mean, he's going to come down and, and thump you. So I really like that guy. Then on the offensive side, like I want to say Malik McLean, but I feel like that's obvious. And then he was also pretty much a starter last year. Trying to go with someone. This is a great question, man. We got, you got us twisted, man. I think, it, I mean, the discord members always like to mess with us too. So putting us in a rough spot at the, two-hour mark of the show having to make us really think uh offensive wise ah let's uh maybe marie smith yeah i mean maybe maurice i i really think maurice is and i want to watch him a lot more i've got a list of names that i'm going to keep an eye on for the second week and maurice is one of them i thought that he's had a nice start holding the holding that middle part of the of the offensive line, that's not friggin' easy. I would, I, would, I would need people to understand that. That is not easy against Fabian Love and Robert Cooper coming up the middle, man. And that's people are harping on Marie Smith, and that size is definitely a factor. But for what he's been able to do, and also be a leader at the same time, I think is huge for Florida State. And uh, Marie Smith is, is going to be a big factor. I'd probably, I'd probably go Marie Marie Smith. There's someone else on that offensive line that I go. You know what? I'm gonna go Estes. You know what? That's a, that's one that might be a sleeper guy to get some playing time this upcoming season. I thought that he's had some really nice reps and uh, and some of the one on ones along with uh, three three v three, and then he's getting some opportunity a lot in team drills. I'll I'll 
go Estes. I want to see more of them. I just don't usually keep an eye on them a lot, but he's, he's another guy that I'm going to add to the list of, of names to keep a close eye on because Estes would be for him to emerge. He's because he's already one of the strongest guys on the team. d to see him emerge and be a really pivotal, like upfront top tier depth piece for Florida state. And if need be need to go and jump into a game or uh, start a game. I, I've seen the developmental increase there uh, from Estes, uh, maybe just much bigger jump in the spring. I'll be honest with you. D-Lo. I think he's fully healthy and ready to rock. Yeah, and I think maybe that's one potentially one of your eight, nine, ten guys in that offensive line rotation. He could certainly work his way in there, but just sticking with uh, Maurice, you know, the physical strides are there. He's taking those steps as a vocal leader, and I think it just helps. He's going into his fourth season now of college football. So he's settled into that role, and he's going to make it really tough, I think, for the Wisconsin transfer, Caden Lyles to beat him out. Very good start to camp for Maurice and just has to keep it going, you know? Yep. Uh, this last one on the docket is about a breakout player, uh, probably both offensive and defensive. I'm going to keep that one for our season preview, which we'll be doing in a few weeks because that's one of the ones that we'll cover. So I'm going to hold off on that one. I'll exchange it, though, for this one over here from RD746 on YouTube to finish off the show, uh, asking, what's this new narrative? new narrative i'm hearing a few well-known media members that cover fsu is saying tate rodemaker is a better thrower name, and name them <laughs> name the outlet uh um, in the morning yeah cover fsu is saying tate rodemaker is a better thrower and then jordan travis and would start if Florida state had better wide receivers no disrespect to tate rodemaker and this is something that happened in the spring, and it's happened before even this last spring from you know other outlets. Everybody has their own opinion on things. And I will say, you know, I saw the tweets and the coverage and a few things being sent in our Discord from some other places talking about Tate Rodemaker and you know Jordan Travis's number one quarterback, but you know, Tate Rodemaker's having this. Dealy, what happened after that magnificent drive, that great drive that Tate Rodemaker had to go down the field and score and find Marcus and Douglas? What happened the next drive? Came back the, the very next play, rolled out to his right, threw a late pass back across his body to try and get it to Johnny Wilson, hit Travis J directly in the hands, and Johnny Wilson had to throw Travis J on the ground so he wouldn't intercept the pass. So. Tate, he, he has his moments in practice. We, we've seen it when it comes into to games. It, it kind of melts down. He crumbles there. And I said it earlier in the show, it's cool It's cool to have these flashes in practice. I think it's important, especially for some of these younger, younger players, to make big plays in practice and show that they do have that potential. At some point, it's got to be carried into the game. And at that point, at this point, that's what we're waiting to see from Tate, but he has been up and down. There's been moments where he looks good. There's been moments where he looks bad. And I would say that's been par for the course throughout his career at Florida state so far. Maybe he's been a little bit better this fall, but to, to call him, you know, maybe a potential starting quarterback, if the receivers are better, I think that's a little bit disrespectful to what FSU does have at receiver. And it's also disrespectful to what Jordan Travis has done uh, the last couple of years. So those well-known media members, Good for them. Go back to the drawing board. Mm. Yeah. Now this this happened in the spring again, and uh, it's it's no knock on Tate. We're wanting to see him develop and grow there and be a college starting quarterback. In the case uh, Jordan Travis goes down, but this is I hate it that we kind of 
this is still a discussion, but this is Jordan Travis's team, guys. I mean, this is a starting quarterback, and Jordan Travis has looked good this fall camp. And I don't think maybe outlets talk about it as much because you're not just going to get the same clicks, the same views if you're talking about Jordan Travis looking good to where a backup quarterback is looking good. Trust me, we know. We, we know what gets the clicks and what doesn't. Jordan Travis is QB1. And it shouldn't even be put into any kind of words or context that there's a competition battling there's, for the QB one no, spot. There's not. There's not even anything close to a competition out there. Con, we're, we're getting close to Comedy Central type of coverage there with that. So, anyways, just to clear the air on that, uh, JT's JT baby. So yeah, let's wrap this thing up. This has been two hours. Uh, you know, I definitely appreciate everybody listening. In. We'll be out there. Tomorrow morning, got the nice break, but we're back in the groove starting tomorrow. Uh, give you guys some coverage. I highly suggest you following us on Twitter. I'll put our Twitters down below here that you can see on the screen. Make sure you're following both of these accounts because we're tweeting photos, videos, interviews, everything that we can to give you some guys coverage uh, as much as FSU uh, you know, will allow us. And so I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. This was a great show. Hopefully, uh, we'll give you guys some continued coverage. Look forward to jumping on here too. Having VZ back next week. Busy, busy, busy man. Um, but luckily ideally here with us. Uh, but yeah, everybody have a great rest of y'all's evening. As always, you can list this podcast on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, hit the subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, still hanging out. If you're still there, I'm watching you. If you would just please hit the like button, it would actually help go to more FSU fans. So then it will create more of a conversation on next week's show. More the merrier as we get prepared for a pretty big time season ahead for Mike Norvell and company. Everybody, enjoy the rest of y'all's evening and head into the weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully Wednesday at either 7.30, 8 o'clock. And uh, yeah, on to second week of fall camp in Florida State starting tomorrow morning. See you guys. Not the same word, I'm a 17